Peace and thank you, family, for tuning into Creative Habits Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Anthony. And I'm your co-host, Indigo. We're based in Washington, D.C. with leading discussions on topics surrounding pop culture, business, lifestyle, and art with an occasional guest appearance within the creative and entrepreneurial industry. What's up, beautiful people? Thank you for tuning in into another episode of Creative Habits Podcast. I am your host, Philip Herring. And I'm your co-host, Indigo. All right. Um, so what's on the topic for today? So I wanted to share a story that would spearhead our conversation for today. Okay. On the topic of ethnocentrism. Hmm. What is that? Ethnocentrism is judging another culture based upon the values and standards set in one's own culture. It's a form of bias where we tend to immediately judge another person's culture as bad or wrong based upon their actions if their values are not aligned with our own beliefs. Hmm. So an example would be um, a traditional... Zimbabwean meal that I find to be better than anything else that I've tasted in the world mm. in comparison to, I guess, like chicken and mambo sauce. I would say, well, my dish is better. Mm. So it's a, a, a superiority complex. I think my culture is better than yours. Right. Mm. Interesting. So it can be broader than food. It can be pretty much anything that's associated with making someone else's culture seem lower than yours or not as important as your culture. And I think to an extent, like, everybody kind of is ethnocentric. I can see that. Some more than others, especially (laughs) uh, places like America and maybe the UK or something like that. I think anyone, like, I feel like how hard, like, Jamaicans root for their culture. I think how that's hard, pride, like, though. That's not well, pride. Well, that's pride. Yeah. It depends because it could be like, no, like, Jamaicans are the best. You could say that and mm. be ethnocentric. Quick, quick side uh, uh, question. Who is more prideful, Jamaicans or Dominicans? <laughs> Man, it's hard. I feel like uh, you didn't even mention them, but I think Haitians are even prouder than they are. Yeah, yeah. But um, I think there's unintentional ways where people can be ethnocentrist, but there are also intentional ways or ways that people are ethnocentric that are worse, far worse than just Mm. being prideful, where it's disrespecting a place or a group of people because you're not even interested in learning about their culture. You're just there assuming how to live in that culture because of how you were brought up in your own culture. There's plenty of examples of that, especially mm-hmm. um, like religion. Yeah. You know, back when the, the Crusades were happening with Christianity and when the Europeans were colonizing the world, um, if you didn't believe in their religious language. beliefs, language, uh, you were considered pagan or devil worshiper and it's either you converted or you died, <laughs> basically. Yeah. I think another example of ethnocentrism to an extent is like, you know how I have such a, f- you know, different name than anyone else. It's not yeah. like a Joe. It's not like a Karen. It's not like a, you know, it's not 
the European normal name. So anyone that's like, I'm not even going to try that. That's ethnocentrist because you're not even interested in being open to someone else's culture to pronounce your name correctly. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. So last week I stumbled upon an article on Facebook from an Austin culture platform called Board Panda. And it was entitled Influencer Brags About an Easy Life in Bali in Twitter. And she gets deported. Mm. So to summarize the article, the social media influencer was marketing her story on Twitter and promoting graphic design services. In addition to selling an ebook for profit, calling it Elevated Lifestyle at a Lower Cost of Living. To promote this book, she talked about how she and her partner were able to move to Bali and live a stress-free life compared to living in America, right? Mm -hmm. This was during the time of COVID. You know, um, there were so many Black Lives Matter protests due to police police brutality, so that was justifiable. Um, And she was just promoting how you can move to Bali to live a racist-free life as a queer Black woman if you're queer as well. So the influencers um, made this Twitter story and it reached hundreds of people and they shared their ebook um, and they would tell people that they would lead them to paradise. Right. Um, The only problem is that they were actually promoting a fraudulent and very dangerous guide into Bali. Hmm. And here is how. So the two ladies left for Bali from where they resided in L.A., paying three hundred dollars. $1,300, excuse me, $1,300 a month during the early stages of the pandemic. So one, they left the U.S. to go to another, a new country, Mm -hmm. a new space in the time of COVID, where Mm -hmm. Bali, Indonesia itself, highly recommended that people not travel during this time and they stay away unless you're like a diplomat or a government official Mm -hmm. for those purposes. So also... Bali is not a country that accepts all partnerships like we do in the Western worlds. So what I mean by that is like you in Bali, it's a very Islamic state. It's a it's a it's a Muslim country. Yeah. And their laws are not the same as ours where same sex marriage they're not at that point right now. Yeah. Not to say that they aren't LGBTQIA it's just not law. Right. It's not law right now. And because it's a Muslim country, Muslim people believe that that's right now still taboo. Mm-hmm. So for you to promote something that's actually not the case, I don't think that's respectful for a place. Yeah. Yeah. Regardless of how you choose to, to live your life. Why promote that when it's not factual? It's, it's, it's terrible. Well, maybe not terrible. It's very interesting that just because we assume that we're so ahead of like the social curve that we can just take our idealisms and and our belief systems to other countries that is like the total polar opposite of that is 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 very interesting right so another way that it was you know on the side of ethnocentrism is they were ignoring a travel visa that they had, mm. right? So they moved to Bali and they're promoting this book and they're promoting how people can come into the country um, to find out that they actually weren't living there illegally or paying taxes. Wow. So. Basically, they, <laughs> they were immigrants. 
Well, immigrants can get into a place legally. It's not them being immigrants. It's the fact that they were illegal aliens. Guests I mean. in the country, yeah. not following the rules. Illegal because aliens. if you bend the rules, you'll probably get deported. Mm-hmm. And for them to think that they were above the law is kind of like, okay, are you in the country to actually be respectful of the people? No. Because you left one country because you're oppressed, right? But you're coming into another society and kind of like. I think they left the country just to take awesome Instagram pictures. Hmm. And make posts to sell an ebook. And make money. United States is one of the countries with the highest, if not most, COVID cases. Mm -hmm. So I feel like already moving to a country during a time where you know that your country is the one that's spreading COVID the most is very inconsiderate, in my opinion. Um, There's been a a large inflection of African-Americans leaving the United States within the last five years, you know, going back to Africa or other countries. But... There's the right way to do things and the wrong way, and it's, it's totally wrong what they're doing, what they did. I agree with you, and I, I also believe that sometimes you can be clueless as to what you're doing, right? Yeah. I think sometimes we forget our privilege, we forget our entitlement, and we forget the fact that our culture is not going to be the same as someone else's culture. So to think that moving somewhere to run away and move away from your problems... Mm. You all, you also have to kind of be responsible in doing the research yeah. in the place that you go to and not think, well, they don't have McDonald's, like, and I'm not going to eat their food. You know, like, you have yeah. to really go somewhere and be respectful of the people. How do you move somewhere and not pay taxes? Maybe they didn't know. Maybe they didn't right, have the information. Exactly. Or maybe they just didn't care. So that's almost like a sense of clueless ethnocentrism where it's like, yeah. Because we do this here in America or because, like, I don't know. Like, I just don't know the logic. I'm sure that they're very beautiful and lovely women. But the way they went about this and when they got deported, they were claiming that Bali is now a place that doesn't respect LGBTQIA. Yes. And they also (laughs) said that they are racist. And that's the reason why they got deported. But you didn't pay taxes. You didn't. You overstayed your visa. Babe, these visas give you six months, three to six months to stay in a country without being penalized. Yeah. Yeah. So if you don't have a working visa, you have a travel visa. It's from, you know, depending on the country, the max you can get is six months. So they were chilling for six months. But you're like, oh, you know, like, this is great. I don't feel like moving anymore. Like, let's just stay an extra six months, but we're not going to tell anybody. That's crazy. Do you know, like, but that? But they did yeah. tell. They, they told on themselves. They basically snitched That's on themselves. That's why they got deported. If they didn't say anything, they would have been <laughs> chilling. They probably started that because they were running out of, you know, money, running out of bread. So they was like, you know, let's find something else, which is another illegal thing. If you are there with a travel visa, you're not allowed to make money in the country without a business visa because you're not putting taxes into that country's economy. Yeah. Yeah. I actually almost got like deported back to the states from london Hmm. um and well they were they were just they were courteous about it and i'm sure they got a similar letter too from indonesia in a certain while but um i went to university in london i had forgotten that i was already in london three months before 
and I wanted to stay there for the full two semesters for a full year. Mm. But I couldn't because I only had six months. So I already spent three months in that summer. And then I started three months close to like September later, like later on in that year. And I thought that I could stay through like July yeah. But because I was there three months before, they like, no, they like the airlines had called me and they were like, uh, yeah, you've overstayed your visa. You're going to have to leave earlier than you anticipated to leave. Mm. So I had to change my flights and everything and just be out of here. Otherwise, like it when you don't follow the rules, it's very unlikely for you to be able to enter that country mm. <laughs> ever again. Yeah. Put you um, on a no fly list. No enter. <laughs> So, yeah, so I'm just thinking, like, listening to the story, and I'm like, it makes me question how mindful we are in, in the world of, like, social media and influencers, popularity, and having so many people that follow you, and anything that you can say can be believed. Yeah. But in actuality, it's like, are you really spreading truthful information or information that's valuable and respectful to whatever you're trying to do aside from making money from it that or there was this guy who was on social media that um i think early 2012 2013 15 whatever it's this guy called um nature boy and he was <laughs> yeah. he was one of these um, spiritualist, quote unquote, type dudes who I think they went to South America or Colombia somewhere. It was Costa Rica. Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. And I guess the whole initial thought was to escape America and do your own thing. But he had created a... a, a um, What's the word for a cult in a sense? Hmm. You know, he moved a couple, he moved down there with a couple women, and then guys started going down there. And I guess the power went to his head. Hmm. And he was like sleeping around with all these women and basically the occult leader type thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, but the facade of it was. I'm a spiritual leader, I'm doing this, I'm, I'm trying to help my people, but he wasn't really doing anything but, you know, massaging his ego in a different country. At the same token, I remember an article coming out about the gentleman um, that he was incarcerated for some time. Like yeah. something happened with this crew of people yeah. that they were locked up, but sometimes you can't behave like you can in your own country and other countries because they don't play that. (laughs) Yeah, Americans, even though it's really messed up here at times, we're afforded a lot of privileges at the same time as well. Yeah. And it's become so normalized that we we just take advantage of it it without even realizing it. Mm -hmm. One of them is that blue passport. Yeah. There's a lot of things I think that Americans get away with in other countries, but it's like with the story in Indonesia and other places where people are now not really being respectful of the place. Mm. The people are now speaking up and encouraging like their governments to do something about it because you can't stay in a luxury $400, which you're paying 
hotel and making it difficult for someone that's unable to afford the. It's almost like gentrification. That's exactly what it is. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's almost like. I know they were trying to find their solace, and that's justifiable. And they were trying to find a space to run a, to move away from oppression. Yeah. But it doesn't make sense to go somewhere and not be respectful of that place. It yeah. just it didn't make sense to me. And I think a lot of people do that. A, a Russian just got deported out of Bali for riding a motorcycle mm. into the ocean and thinking that that was okay. Yeah. And the day before that, or like a week, that the same week, he had a party of over 50 people. And Bali is like very super strict about COVID. bending the laws around yeah. COVID. Like imagine having those parties, but like you've had all the the people that were attending who were probably from Indonesia, the people that were working there. Mm-hmm. And certain people that don't have the luxury of if they get sick. Proper health care. They can have the proper support to deal with this. And who knows what what it's like in Indonesia during COVID. Like, do they, you know, do they have enough support? Do they have enough ventilators? Do they, you know, like, do they so have things it, to support that country? Is it a colonial mind state? What does that mean? Okay, we've been colonized, right? We've been conditioned to behave like our colonizers. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, Without us the, even knowing it. So it's like, it's subconscious in a sense. It's like, yes, we're afforded these privileges. And if we go to a country that that doesn't have the same privileges, what gives us that savior complex or what we think is saving to, um, um, I guess, change the rules and the laws and everything else over there. Like, why do we feel like we have that? Who deputized us to do that? You know, it's very interesting you say that because remember, like, I remember hearing, I don't know if it was a conversation or article that I was reading, but um, there are two places in West Africa Mm. that have ancestry that stems from America, from African-Americans who were freed from slavery, enslaved mm-hmm. Africans, and they had an opportunity to go back to Africa and, you know, reclaim a, a space. But that space was already occupied with Africans yeah, already. But because the United States was like, oh, you know, you can go back home, you're welcome, you know, this place is yours. That caused conflict because they came back home, you know, assuming that this place was their land. But now they're fighting with the native people of that space in Mm -hmm. Africa because they live there. Yeah. And for years, that's what the conflict was about. That's what the Civil War was about, is that these African-Americans who moved back to Africa and were reclaiming, quote unquote, the space. But it was already occupied by Africans. They were fighting over this land. Mm -hmm. And it's like sometimes I think we're not aware that even though we've left the oppressors, we're now oppressing somebody else or we're now not being considerate or mindful of the the people that are already existing in the space that we occupy. That's interesting how that works. That's very interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, I just 
reading that article about the ladies in Bali and just when I was reading it, I was like, they were probably clueless as to why it ended up the way that it ended up. Because mentioning that it was because of the color of your skin and mentioning that it was because of your sexual orientation confused me because you're you're writing a book for people to move to this place. I don't think they were clueless at all. You don't think so? I don't think they were clueless at all. I think they were going to ride it out until they got caught. So was it about supporting their business or supporting the idea that you can live a free life in Bali? Like, what was the intention? I think it was about them supporting their business, them figuring out a, a, a get-rich-quick scheme while they're in another country. What bothers me with people is, okay, if you're going to move to another country, go through the proper steps, learn the language of that country. If not before you go, while you're there, and I guess assimilate to that culture. You know what I mean? You can't just walk around like your top dog just because you're from a specific area from from the western world it doesn't work like that way yeah this is what makes me very angsty and tippy tippy toeing around the idea of social media influencing is because sometimes you're not 100 percent an expert in what you're talking about not to say that you have to be an expert in everything Mm -hmm. but i think when you have a certain number of followers and you're presenting information to the masses, it's like, okay, what is your intention? You know, like, it's like you start to question, like, what people's yeah. authentic intentions are. I don't think people are, are authentic on social media at all. I think it's a facade. People everyone? are not. Everyone. People are not their real selves. Because people only put out one specific image that they want to put out in the world. So if they're not their true selves, then what are they portraying? Those young ladies were trying to portray that they were living a good life in Bali. <laughs> and they were. They just Until weren't they doing the caught. right shit. Like they weren't doing it the right way to respect the people that yeah. live there. Or even go to, um, what do they call it? The... Um, what do they call it when other countries set up shop? I forget what it's called. An exchange? No, or? no, 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 no. Um, if you go to a country and you lose your passport mm-hmm. and you have to go to, um, what is it called? The embassy? The embassy. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> the embassy. My brain is, is kind of okay. linked. But the embassy. Go to the embassy. And try to set up or initiate programs, you know, that can work for you and, you know, giving back to that country in a sense. You know what I mean? If you're trying to start a business or have people come to this country, at least try to create jobs within the country for the people who already live there already. Right, but that's what I'm saying. It's like, why did you actually move to Bali? Did you move to Bali because... You saw from somewhere else that they were beautiful pictures of paradise. Was that the image that you saw and nothing beyond that? Because that's understandable. It's like, I want to go to Bali because I see such beautiful pictures of it. But is it it. any different from a rich person 
buying up land in Jamaica and building a resort. It is different because those people that are building resorts still have to pay taxes. Pay taxes, yeah, but still, it's like, it's not your country. You go there, you see something beautiful, and you want to claim it for yourself. You know, basically colonialism. Even though you're paying taxes, you still... Providing employment? To an extent. But are they really getting paid a lot? Like Jamaica? Yeah, no, I get. Jamaica is not a a very the the people there aren't that rich. That's, so if mm-hmm. if you were going to do something like that, at least pro- provide um, proper you know um, proper funding for these people out there. You know what I mean? If especially if you're taking up their land. I can agree with you wholeheartedly, but I also think that some of the things that bring money into a country, not all of it, is tourism. So you do have to rely on a certain percentage of people coming into the country, and that's like, you know, money in the pockets of the country. But Mm -hmm. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. It's larger than just... Money in whose pockets, Exactly. That's why I'm saying I get what you're saying, because you still would look at the non-tourist side of certain countries that are touristy places and see that their their people are struggling or don't have the same luxuries as you are into into experiencing the paradise side of that place right right right. um because it might be paradise to the person who moving there but the people who live there already is just are are not in the same predicament of you to be able to afford a four hundred dollar exactly discount it space where you have a big yeah exactly you know um yeah so it's just the thought of being mindful of the places that you choose to move to or experience for a certain period of time Mm -hmm. (laughs) outside of your your home yeah man don't be colonialist man don't try to colonize a place learn the language um be open to trying the food. Be learn open the culture, to learn yeah. the culture and get to know the people outside of the the touristy spaces. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go to the countryside and and get some home cooking from one of the grandmas out there. That's how that's how you really learn a culture is when you go to the countryside and you you hook up with one of your you, you know one of your friends or somebody you meet grandmother and get that real home cooking. That's when you start to get an understanding of that culture. So I take you, when I take you to my hometown, you want to go to the village and not the city where yeah. my grandparents stay. And I want some of that good old school home <laughs> cooking. You know what I mean? Okay. That's how you. That's how you really get into the the psyche and the mind of a culture is when you eat their traditional foods. Yeah. So I want to go back to like ethnocentrism aside from the story in Bali and and really like kind of get your take on names Mm -hmm. I've always struggled with people giving me that response like I'm not even going to try or like Mm -hmm. can I just call you this you know like sometimes I used to battle with like do I want to introduce myself as Indigo or do I want to introduce myself as Handi both of them are my names Mm -hmm. but it's like what is the easiest or do I you you know do I even want this conversation to (laughs) tell me tell me tell me how that is because I I, I never really had to you know deal with that so like Mm -hmm. how is like what like how how do you 
how do you figure out I don't want to say tiptoe or how do you like introduce yourself to when um when I started college I was just like my name is Indigo mm. and the re- like before I moved to this country I noticed that switch right so let me just give you the whole <laughs> from where it began when I was starting primary school in Zimbabwe this was like after preschool we call preschool crush um I don't know why but I think it's German. But after I left Crush, I started primary school. And my name had always been Hani prior to, like, me starting school. Mm. And when I get to Bishopsley, which was my primary school, my grandma was like, your name is Indigo. So I'm like, I, know my, I knew my whole name right. But mm. it's like, why would my name be Indigo when everybody has been calling me Hani? But I knew in a certain space, like, I had to present myself in a different manner. Mm. So indigo is, you know, not the African name. And I'm going to this English preparatory school um, where it's just probably my teachers might treat me nicer if my name was indigo as opposed to Hanirupi. Yeah. And I don't know, like I, I felt weird that day because I'm like, maybe that's what my I have to introduce myself to the white world is by calling myself Indigo. But it's strange because <laughs> in America, we have to know how to say Logan, Connor. Uh, uh, that's everywhere. Chad. Everywhere in the world. Yeah. The majority of us know who Schwarzenegger is and how to pronounce it. Yeah. Michelangelo, Othello, C, you know, all these names. So that's where it started for me. It stemmed from there. But when I started college, I was just like, yeah, no, my name is Indigo. Mm. Because, number one, I don't have to give people a background, especially because I was going to the predominantly white school. Give everyone a background or I have to apologize for my name being Hundi Ravi. And it was just easier with Indigo. I also love Indigo, the name. So it's not like I was ashamed of Honey Ruby, but I'm so sick and tired of people just saying, like, can I call you this? Or I'm not even going to be able to try that. Or like, can you say your name again? And not giving or allowing the space to actually try and say it. Like, it just used to make me angry. And I just didn't feel like I had, like, I didn't want to need to have to apologize for my name. So mm. I was just like, it's indigo. And with people I ended up trusting and creating relationships with in that college space, I'm like, well, you know what? I actually prefer Handi, you know? Yeah. So for the people that I trusted and I felt like would respect me for who I was, I would tell them what my real name was. But everybody else would know me as indigo. But in the art, like when, when I started getting a little bit older, I would make them do the whole name. So when I was graduating from undergraduate, like my um, undergraduate degree, um, they were like, yeah, no, we need to know like how to pronounce your name. And it was just Indigo Wakatama, but I was just like, no, you have to be like Handi Ruvi Indigo Wakatama. Mm. And that stuck with me after that. Like, if people were going to address me, they're going to have to figure out how to say the first name, the middle name, and the last name. So, yeah. I forget who told me, but um, I think it was one of my mentors or one of my elders that said... Um, your name is everything. It defines who you are. It lets people know who you are when you enter the room. Exactly. You know what I mean? So names are important, you know, and we're all, 
our parents named us for a specific reason, mm-hmm. you know. My name is Philip Anthony Herring. That's mm-hmm. a, it's a, a specific reason why my mother named me that, and I think it's destined. And what is the same the the story surrounding Philip? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. At first, she said she was going to name me Sean, but every Sean sh- that she knew was was bad. <laughs> so <laughs> She's like, no, nah, I don't want me. you to have that so name. She, she wanted like me I to know have Philip comes name. from the Bible, but I don't know the story of Philip because I don't know either. Yeah, I don't know. I know my name in um, Greek means horse lover. Even herring means fish, doesn't it? Like yeah. kingfisher or something like that. You know, and um, I don't know. I just think that. Our names hold meaning, and we give them that meaning value. And when people don't take the time out to learn or even care about our names, that means they don't really value us as people. And that's how I felt. Like, I'm like, I don't feel like you're worthy of knowing what my name is. Because if you pronounce it wrong or say that you're not going to even try, like, I know that you just don't care. Yeah. Or, you know, yes, I'm like, yeah, whatever. Like, that's one thing that I've never expressed, but it really does annoy me. And you know what bothers me is when they call certain black names ghetto, like... um, Tawanda. Yeah. um, (laughs) Just Taisha or something like that. Yeah. What's funny is they're very African names. They're and African a lot of them names, are. but a lot of, you know, African-Americans, our history and, and, and everything has been stripped from us. But even the way we talk, you know, uh, with Ebonics, it's like we had to reclaim our history, reclaim our past and remix and, it and remix it and make it into our own. But. If it's not socially acceptable, they call it ghetto war. But that's why you guys are so fucking cool and everybody likes African-American music, dance. (laughs) Yeah. So I wanted to bring up the fact that you mentioned that, um, your your culture of being an African-American male. I suffered and struggled and are still, I'm still undoing things of my own ethnocentrism Mm. towards African-Americans. I think that a lot of the things that I was conditioned to believe about African-Americans was very um, inappropriate Mm. and not understanding or loving or open to even knowing that culture because in in an African space, African-Americans aren't valued during this time because I think it's changed significantly over, over the years. But I think that there was just misinformation and brainwashing that allowed you to believe that African-Americans were less than not worthy. Yeah, that's definitely by design. You know, they designed that that ideal to keep us separated because when we're um, combined, we're a lot more powerful than separated. I think from what I interpreted is that African-Americans were the ones that didn't have a culture. Mm. When in actuality you did, it was just a remix of everybody else's yeah. and created yeah. your own, you know, to say, well, we just pure it. created no, culture it is. Out, it of, is. Out, of, out, of out of thin air, uh, you know, with 
blues music, soul music, gospel right. music, hip hop. I don't think it's Aaron because it stemmed from somewhere, but I think that yeah, but it did. It stemmed from somewhere, but it's still your own. Whenever us, whenever we went through some type of um, 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 trauma, creativity stemmed from that trauma. You mm-hmm. know. Even though they took away our language, we created our own language within music, within poetry, within hip hop. You know, when they said we 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 couldn't read, we would go to church and learn how to read the Bible. You know what I mean? It's like they take a lot away from us to the point that we don't know anything. So it's like a rose growing from the concrete in a sense. You know what I mean? You pave over the, the dirt. You you um, you make it so nothing can grow, but we still eventually bloom out of that concrete. You know what I mean? We make something out of nothing. I, f- I feel you. I feel you. And I think that the reason why I kind of felt guilty about feeling that way is getting older and growing up and knowing that we're actually the same people. There's just a difference between the ones that had to, you know, swim from point A to point B and others that took the bridge to go from point A to point B. It's like different paths, but it all led us to the same. (laughs) We know we went through like very similar journeys um, and also very different at the same time, but we came from the same place. And is there a lot of, uh, what's the word? Uh, what's the word? Ethnocentrism. Ethno ethnocentrism within the uh, African American community towards Africans too. I know. You know, um, there's a lot of. I can remember when I was going to um, elementary school, um, a lot of the African kids used to get picked on, called African booty scratcher. Mm-hmm. And, it's even All more recent stuff. with yeah. these uh, foo-foo challenges yeah. that I find to be really disrespectful. And it's like, because you're not familiar with how the culture eats or how, what they enjoy, just because you're eating and saying it's nasty as fuck and all of this stuff on or the even, internet, it's not colorism, promoting... The, the yeah. colorism behind it, you know what I mean? It's just, it's just lack of communication between the two parties. Lack of communication or ignorance at this point. <laughs> I mean, no communication creates ignorance, right? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, just thinking about those things and, you know, like what could a potential solution be for a non ethnocentric world or a world that is conscious of others despite what your intentions are in that space? Um, I think I have a few ways to overcome ethnocentrism. What's that? Avoid assumptions. Don't forget that people from different cultures would have other different customs, beliefs, Mm -hmm. values, traditions that we all should respect. Um, Learn about those cultures. Avoid judgments. Be respectful learn the language yeah I'd also like to bring up in the topic of ethnocentrism how when my mother married into a very pan-African family in the states 
um, learning that the community was very judgmental towards Africans on the continent mm. who were still very Christian and didn't wear African clothing every day mm. or like, you know, did traditional practices. Even if you believe or think that an African from the continent that was born on the continent um, is brainwashed, you can still learn a lot from that person because that's their culture. You know what I mean? Like because yeah. they they have a certain level of information and maybe similar understanding to what you're going through, but you wouldn't care to know because you think you're you you've read enough books to know mm. how that con- culture functions or how their tradition was prior to colonialism. Like I think there's a lot of judgment that comes with thinking that you know everything but you actually don't get to spend the time or day to actually sit with someone because they believe in something that you don't mm. I don't know just just a saying and a thought but I think I liked what you said about not assuming yeah just don't assume mm-hmm. just and be open we all have to understand that pretty much everyone on this planet has been affected by some type of colonialism in every way, anyway, you know, and whether it be religion, whether it be cultural practices, whatever, we should all still respect each other as people. Yeah. You know, respect each other's culture, respect each other's ideals on how we see the world you know if 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 we just hung around people who constantly talked about the same things that we do or thought the same way that we think how can we challenge ourselves how can evolving yeah like how can we bring different perspectives to the table and we might not accept everything but still come to a compromise and agree that we all want the pretty much the, 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 the same initial things out of life, you know what I mean? Yeah. I know what you mean. And I hope that with stories like the story I shared about the um couple from Bali and Hold up, real quick, did they yeah. go to jail? They could have went to jail if they didn't they get their asses caught. <laughs> they got deported. And yeah. that's what I'm like. Sometimes countries will definitely put you through. You could get locked up for saying the wrong thing, making money when you're not paying tax. Yeah. Like they were kind about it. Yeah. I think they were kind about it. But I can see a place like Indonesia changing their travel visa laws yeah. or xenophobia becoming a thing yeah. where you're now judging a person for what they look like. So no, as soon as they see an African American, they're like, "Yeah, no, they going, yeah, they come yeah. in, they're not here for the right reasons." Yeah. So it's gonna make it everybody. harder. So I think, unfortunately, it may not be the same courtesy that was given to people prior to this experience. Mm. And I think a lot of people that do move into Bali, like a lot of African Americans have been doing, they're gonna be probably looked at like, hmm. What are they up to and how long are they staying? You know, like it's just it's probably going to make it a little bit more difficult than it was before for black and brown people uh, to enter. But who knows? Like this is just an assumption of my own. um, And I think that they should have 
should have followed followed their law. <laughs> you think about a lot of the African Americans going back to Africa. How do you feel about that? I love that, but I still caution and hope that the people that are doing this actually maintain an open mind mm. and not try to envision Africa like they would envision it being America. Mm. I know that a, a, a lot of people that move to Africa are not considered the fact that you're not going to have internet 24 seven, mm. possibly no electricity, you know, like possibly things that are not accessible like they are here. And I can't speak for the entirety of Africa, but I know like Zimbabwe, you're not going to be able to be on your phone 24 seven. Like, Internet will probably be on from 8 a.m. to, you know, wherever there's, like, Wi-Fi. Mm. But the rest of the day, it's like people are coming over, people are having conversations, people want to get to know you. It's more about human-to-human interaction rather than TV, you know, things that you're accustomed to in this type of space. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just don't want African-Americans moving over there and thinking it's Wakanda. But they're going to think it's Wakanda and, like, just get a, a rude awakening. <laughs> I think also, like... <laughs> People wow. going over there thinking it's all shits and rainbows. Yeah, but even or thinking that it's a jungle when it's not. Like, yeah. Africa's lit. And I think that that's why a lot of people have been, you know, moving or traveling a lot more to places and countries in Africa because it is a paradise that's mm-hmm. been played and made to believe like it's not you know like it's a place where you you see several children that are starving you know there are realities where we, yes we do have people that are homeless and poor that are struggling but there the are people that are yeah, it's the same thing here yeah. yeah but it's like yeah there are there are discrepancies and things and differences but um we can't ignore the nice parts yeah <laughs> Just wrapping this up, man. Yeah. If you go to these countries, just respect what they got going on over there, man. Because you don't know. Our jails are pretty bad, but other countries have really worse jails. Especially, that's why I'm like, I don't know why people are also so open to be so free and like extracurricular things yeah. like drugs in other country because, honey... <laughs> if they did that in the Philippines, oh man, it would have got shot on the spot. Really? They don't play that stuff. But in I'm the like, Philippines, yeah, you yo. can get locked up for much longer, and you probably have to. If you have weed, like marijuana, in the Philippines, you could get executed <laughs> on some damn cannabis. I even, but I'm just like, just follow the like. If you're in a different space than what you're normal to, just just be respectful because you never know what it could be like if you're actually in danger or in trouble. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to save you from here, especially if you feel like you've been oppressed in your own country. Like, what makes you think that they're going to come and rescue you The damn you president not going to save uh-uh. <laughs> So, yeah, like Phil says, just respect the space that you're at. Be mindful, be open of, of learning new things. And I think it's a wrap. That's a wrap, people. Thank you for tuning in into this episode of Creative Habits Podcast. Podcast. Peace. What's up, beautiful people? Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Creative Habits Podcast. Here is your quote of the day. Peace is its own reward. Muhammad Gandhi. 
Don't forget to like, subscribe, share, comment, and have a great day, people. Peace.